am here today uh, at uh, the podcast part four, uh, and we're going to discuss uh, how to sell more primary tickets. And primary tickets means the tickets that are newly bought, so no real resold tickets. Um, Charlotte Maynard, do I, do, do I pronounce your name? Yes, that's okay. correct. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I can. Thanks for having me. Um, I work for LWE, which is a promoter in London. You might know us for LWE, Junction 2, Kogo Festival um, and Ion Festival in Albania, amongst other projects. Mm-hmm. Um, we have around 70 shows a year in London, uh, ranging from venues 500 capacity right up to the size of Wembley Arena mm-hmm. and our festivals are from 3,000 capacity to 50,000 capacity so we work across lots of different genres lots of different venue types mm-hmm. and event types as well what was the most difficult venue you ever hosted an event um tobacco dock we do nine times a year and mm-hmm. it's a very challenging venue to work in why It's a, it's an it's an old shopping center, mm-hmm. so uh, cool. it's very specific sizes, and it's also a grade one listed ve- venue as well. So mm-hmm. it's protected by the city, so you can't kind of screw into walls, and you yeah. have to use certain fittings, and we have to completely recarpet the venue after every event. So nine times a year, it gets a new carpet. <laughs> we broke a glass door once not long ago, and yeah, that was that was quite quite a drama. <laughs> expensive, yeah. probably. Yeah, it was expensive. Yeah, but it's a great venue. Um, the potential uh, for the event setup in there is is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we get to do a lot of things with it production wise. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your introduction, uh, Wyan. Um, you work at Exceed. What is uh, Exceed? Is a platform, but what kind of platform is it? Because it's really disruptive in the industry. Oh, you you checked it out. Hello, yeah, thank you. Of course. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes, uh, we are a uh, ticketing platform. Yeah. But uh, we're data based, and uh, we pretty much divide our business into two parts. One is more of the B 2 C, so agenda based, um, and then the other side is a uh, management platform for organizers. Obviously, we base it around tickets. That's where the the money is. But yeah. there's a lot more that we offer. Um, it's a modular system that allows for PR management. Uh, Table management, uh, yeah, and uh, marketing tools as well. So because you're uh, as a customer, you're you're able to just uh, if you if you didn't decide where to go yet, you can go to the platform and just like book tables at restaurants, book tickets for clubs, right? Yeah, restaurants and bars is a uh, future. I would say 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's we're really based on on clubbing. But there so, are restaurants on the website, right? There definitely are. Yeah. Definitely are. Uh, But it's just also, a smaller part of the... Yeah, we opened a new vertical during uh, during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in our future plans. But right now, our bread and butter is really um, large format clubs and uh, and festivals. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank yeah. you. My pleasure. And you're from Barcelona, right? I am originally from Ibiza. Uh-huh. And I am based out of Barcelona. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Tamás? Do I, do I pronounce it the right way, Tamás? You did, you did. Thank you. And happy to be with uh, yes. all of you here. You work at TicketSwap, right? I do. Um, and uh, I I came across your job title, but uh, I'm not sure if it's um, head of new markets or head of international expansion. Yeah, depending on the forum where I go, I use different titles. But mm. yeah, basically this is the most fun a function at TicketSwap. Yeah. So basically what I'm responsible for is opening new geographic markets yeah. uh, for the company. So TicketSwap was born out from Amsterdam 
10 years ago. Yeah. And yeah, we became market leaders in this segment of Europe. And yeah, my job is to open new uh, geographic locations. And currently I'm busy with the Nordics region, mm -hmm. the Dutch region, Central Eastern Europe, Brazil, and yeah, a lot more to come next year. Yeah, um, because in how many countries is uh, Ticketswap right now? Um, last I checked, we were, we were we were active in 36 countries. Yeah, and, and what is one of what is a country that's still on your wish list? On my wish list, oh, that's a, we have one. That's a fun question. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously, uh, I would like to leave Europe and go also to the Northern Americas region, but mm -hmm. also Asia. Okay. Yeah. Um, Wayan, what is your experience in selling primary tickets? Um, from starting uh, small parties on my own uh, to uh, I was actually <laughs> it's a long time ago. I was uh, I worked for Manumission in Ibiza, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. we were selling tickets in the street, and it was a big hustle. Then we went to yeah. when we went to wristbands, and um, since then I also worked at uh, at Defected. Yeah. And uh, we launched the first uh, Defected Croatia, mm -hmm. um, and that was a really good, good uh, deep dive into selling tickets, especially having to move people from, it was pretty much UK-based clients, all the way to Croatia was pretty interesting. Um, and then now, well, experience, I'm, I'm in it up to, up to uh, <laughs> as far as I can go. I mean, uh, we deal with, uh, I would probably have around 500 uh, clients every day that are using our platform. Yeah. So uh, we deal with a lot of. Well, I mean, I learn through them, right? How, how do you reach your clients? Uh, they're all in my pocket. Or there are. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> or the, like the visitors for the web, for the website. Yeah. Like so the users. As the I was saying, there's we have two branches of our of our company, and one is the B 2 C, which is uh, I think what you're referring to is more of the app and the discovery side of it. Yeah. Um, that's more of the agenda. I tend to do more of the B2B side, which is my direct clients would be someone like Charlotte, which would be um, the, uh, the event organizer himself. And then we provide the tools for them. So um, those are the ones that I, I deal with on a regular basis. Okay. Someone like that we're super proud of, like Pasha, for example. Pasha yeah. Ibiza is, uh, we're their technology providers. Yeah. So yeah, we rolled that out this year. That was a lot of fun in Mykonos and in, in Ibiza and wherever else they want to do something. Russia is is like is like big around the world, right? Because it started, I think, in Ibiza. Um, 1972, a little bar in Sitges, which is about a half oh, yeah. hour from Barcelona. Yeah. And I think 1973, they opened the little finca in Ibiza, mm -hmm. which is now what we all know. But yeah, um, super proud of that one. It was yeah. super fun, and uh, yeah, they they had their own their own uh, requirements, and so we're able to ad hoc and develop for them so that they can they can uh, expand as well. Cool. That was super fun. That was really cool this year. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Yeah, good to um, go hang out with my mom in Ibiza. It was yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Charlotte, do you experience any challenges in selling primary tickets? None whatsoever. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Constant, constant challenges. Constant challenges. Um, I would say that um, we've got a good awareness of the market in London mm -hmm. and we've had a lot of practice and we have a, we have a definite uh, structure for ticket sales that we tend to work to across most of our events now. Mm -hmm. And we've got the process down to a fine art, um, whether the process runs exactly to plan every time. Um, I don't know, there needs to be a lot of flexibility with the ticket sales model. 
Do you also experience a lot of uh, still uh, uh, fake tickets or? Um, less now than they used to be. I think ticket sites have become more advanced with that kind of thing. It was a real problem five or so years ago. Yeah. Um, I would say it's got a lot easier. Things like dice or app-based um, technology has made has made that problem a lot easier. Yeah. Um, Tomas, um, uh, what channels do you consider most effective for selling primary tickets? Because I would think that it uh, it would be something like social media. Um, is it are is it social media apps or is it like more dedicated fan communities? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's it's good to know that TicketSwap is is basically a ethical resale platform yeah. for ticketing. So, so from first hand, our customers come to our platform to safely buy and sell um, between themselves. So it's a peer to peer platform. So it's just a good, good to reinstate here is that we are basically the plug and play solution for primary ticketing companies yeah. to handle their secondary. But it's a very relevant question because from very first moments we understood that uh, we need to work hand in hand with the primary ticketers and also the promoters. They have the skin in the game and um, we work towards the same interest. Mm -hmm. So what we are also rediscovering, we would like to be an added value um, yeah. to, to, to all the people here and basically give them an additional reach through mm -hmm. our network yeah. and basically I would I would reshape the question and say you know we built up almost 9 million users in mm -hmm. the past 10 years and those are the hardcore fans those are the ones who always signed up for for a wish list for a waiting list yeah. once they couldn't get into a show so we can give this added value to the promoter and the primary ticket ticket sellers so thanks to us they can reach an additional community yeah. so we are basically one of those does ticket swap wants to wants to switch from being a secondary ticket seller to primary ticket seller no this is this is not in the planning and that's why we are sitting <laughs> next to next to next to these guys we here. integrated you know tell me we, the truth we are we are we are integrated and i'm very proud of that no ticket shop is is, is proud to be an independent player yeah and yeah we have currently close to 40 ticketing integrations and we do not want to compete with them we want to be the one-stop shop yeah and help them to have a greater reach cool Thanks. <laughs> do you want to do you want to jump in or? Um, well, yeah, we'll be integrated for the reason um, that uh, it's it's a really big market, and I think they do it much better than we could probably do it for for now and for a long time to come. I mean, obviously, we all think about uh, blockchains and something mm -hmm. farther down the line. Yeah. But um, they have a r great added value. Um, we were super happy to to integrate. Um, not only do we recommend it to our clients when our clients uh, ask us about the other possibilities um, yeah. and it helps uh, Charlotte mentioned other platforms that do have their own systems and we decided that we weren't going to focus on that for for now we mm -hmm. have so much other things that we find that are pro priority yeah and um, they do it so well that there's really no point yeah um, sometimes you don't have to do everything yourself it's it's also a good idea to just outsource it for uh, for uh, like um, efficiency mm. reasons, for instance. So yeah, going back to your channels and selling primary, I mean, obviously it's what she does every day. We provide the tools to uh, to our clients so that they can they can see where their sales are coming from. Yeah. And um, obviously we also on our B2C side, we have our own community of users that use our platform to find um, 
um, events, mm -hmm. and then we use the, the standard channels. I mean, net, uh, so from maintaining our community, maybe through social media or through newsletters or push notifications. Mm -hmm. That's one side, and we just try to. We're actually really trying to help our clients sell more. Mm -hmm. um, we're not competing with our own clients. No. We really we provide a a solution for them. I mean, that's the priority for, for especially for my side. Maybe my, our CMO would think something else. Uh -huh. But um, as head of sales for the B two B, then yeah, I, I really I put my my clients forward first. And, and do you see that one of the channels is more effective? Like for social media newsletters or on sales, that's a question for her. Yeah, I think I think genuinely um, social media, the days of social media being the the best way to sell tickets, those days are gone now because yeah. the reach on Facebook is is small unless you're paying for that. The reach on Instagram is also dropping off unless yeah. you're going to pay for that. So if you've got a giant marketing budget, and some of our events do have big marketing budgets, you can plough a very good um, a chunk of your revenue into, into social ads. If you haven't got that, the days of just being able to put a post out on social media and think that's going to sell you tickets, those days are gone, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So it's all about having different data sets in different places. So you mentioned mailers. If you can do a, a sign-up process at the start of the event, which we tend to do for pretty much every event, mm -hmm. especially when we're testing new artists and new venues. Would you consider it effective to like run ads um, to promote an, uh, an event? Definitely, definitely need to do that for every event, but it shouldn't be all that you're doing because there's a lot of variables there yeah. and it's, it's not an effective strategy on its own. There's different types of data collection you can do to retarget people that visit your ads, um, retarget people that visit your web page, um, collect email addresses and SMS as well. SMS actually has a 95% delivery rate, whereas email has like... Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the delivery rate can be down in the 60s or 70s, depending on how fresh your mailing list is. Do people actually want to give their number? Yeah, quite a few, quite a few, yeah, because a lot of people's inboxes are just stuffed with, yeah. with junk emails. And if they're really engaged with the brand and they want to get that pre-sale ticket as soon as it comes on sale, it's the most direct way for them to get the ticket link. And people are using mobile mostly now anyway. Yeah. yeah. So if, if, if there's an event that you think is going to sell out within a couple of hours and you want that ticket, then they're going to give their phone number. Oh. So, yeah. But there's also, there's other things as well, like you mentioned your platform and get getting assistance from your ticket platforms really important too as the 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 most different kind of data sets you can access the the better so your your mailing <coughs> list um, ticket swaps push notifications maybe you've got um, a secondary ticket insight as well so you've got one primary and you're using another two ticket outlets as well and everyone's got different methods and different sets of data that they can contact and it's all about kind of spreading your bets across as many yeah. different channels as possible yeah. these days I think but of course if you're if you're um, a super grassroots promoter and you've got a really engaged audience then good for you that's the sweet spot. Yeah. But it's it's harder and harder these days with social media being. Yeah. It really depends on the event. You yeah. know, if you're doing a small venue and you're open two or three days a week, mm -hmm. then it's one type of marketing uh, strategy. Yeah. Then if you're just doing headliners and you got to fill a stadium, exactly. Yeah. Then yeah. it's going to be completely different. It yeah, it depends on how many people you have to reach, right? Also, and if you, if you want to reach new audiences or you want to get back to your loyal audience, so mm. exactly, completely agree with. But if you're not using a pixel, 
Yeah. Then you're you're in the 80s. What is a pixel? Yeah, I, I, I just I, wanted to mention it. Yeah. Because, <laughs> go um, for it. It's I know super it. useful. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. glad she said it. And it's just it's all the re- remarketing and uh, uh, the way to do your ads these days. Um, it's it's evolving every day, mm-hmm. and so um, we are also trying to. So like the development of our platform is one we're trying to help. Uh, our clients do better so it's educational but at the same time they're pushing us to be better because they're getting farther and farther into it and so um, uh, together I think that uh, there's good synergies to to push um, the the market itself and uh, everyone has to adapt you know without without paying you're not going to reach anyone yeah you know and then and then the pixel was just a target i mean if you're running any type of uh any type of campaign you shouldn't be choosing uh what the the characteristics of that campaign are you should be you should be basing your campaigns on pixels because it's expensive you know so you want to get the most out of your digital ad spend by making sure you're reaching exactly the right audience and not just throwing your money to facebook sorry meta (laughs) <laughs> does it matter where a fan buys a ticket and does that have any effect on the experience that a fan has or a visitor well i think it um, really comes down to the brand the event the market i mean there are instances where the brands have a close affiliation with 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 the with the ticketer or the service provider. I think uh, uh, lots of the cases that we just mentioned here, those are those are the facts. And mm-hmm. then there are other cases where the service provider is a white label solution in the background, mm-hmm. and the fans have no idea where they purchased the ticket from. Yeah. So. So I think I think there are several cases for this, but yeah, I truly believe that the the fan experience starts from 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 first going on the on the yeah. landing page of the of the provider, and it doesn't end when the gates open, right? Yeah. So so with marketing uh, retargeting campaigns, mentioning the next editions, but also if I just get three step ba- steps back, the the reselling uh, headache. So it's 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 a long journey, but yeah, yeah it definitely starts. With, the, with these providers. Yeah, and also if you buy a, a ticket through, through a, like a, a shady website or a shady person, and, and, it, and it isn't, um, how do you say it, valid, yeah. then you have no well, experience at all. Yeah, course. one thing I have, if, if I take my tickets or pet off and just, just a regular customer, uh, one, one thing that could annoy me if I have to have 10 different apps in my phone, mm-hmm to access yeah. or 10 different solutions to store my tickets. Yeah, sometimes you still have that. to print a ticket still. Yeah, so, so, so I think the solutions that can integrate not, not make the fans' life more difficult. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. And do you notice any, um, like, what, yeah, do you know, notice any difference in fan behavior um, when we look at like before 2019 uh, or 2020 when Corona hit uh, like the world yeah. uh, and right now, um, is yeah, it harder think, to think, persuade them to buy tickets? Direction. Um, definitely, and I think we should we should we should reflect on this all three of us. Um, I think I think uh, fans want more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Because long-term, in advance decision making is 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 less of a factor now. 
you know, yeah. like well, what they used to do before that, okay, I purchased five super expensive tickets for my friends and flights and yeah. accommodation. Who knows what's happens, happening in six months' time? So I think that's one major direction I keep seeing and I also keep hearing from our promoter partners and ticketing partners that, yeah, fans, fans uh, make decisions and purchase behavior is much more closer to the event. Well, um, sorry, just one quick question. What do you think they they want? Do they want to make a reservation? Do they want to be able to get their money back if shit hits the fan again? Um, flexibility. Mm. And, and what flexibility means, yeah, an option to resell, an option for refund, any kind of alternatives. But yeah, the fact is that they are make, making decisions last minute, that it's definitely a challenge for, for, or for every one of us. Yeah, we see it in the data all the time. And I mean, I, I, our clients are always like, uh, you know, that we pull the plug on an event and you're just like, watch the last three days. Hold, yeah, hold your hold. nerve. We're seeing interesting ticket buying patterns, really. Um, I don't know about the rest of Europe, but Europe's um, London's quite strong at the moment. Like, surprisingly, we thought that the autumn and winter would be difficult because of the yeah. cost of living crisis. Yeah. That's the same across Europe. It's actually quite, ticket sales are quite strong, but with a very different buying pattern. Mm -hmm. the, the on sale moment is very strong. People are buying tickets in advance. Um, and then the sales drop off completely until the week of the event. So you kind of have a big peak at the beginning mm -hmm. and then almost nothing. Mm -hmm. And then a big peak right at the end again. And this it used to be kind of with a peak and then quite steady. Mm -hmm. But now it's all, it's either people are committing far in advance because they want a cheaper ticket or they're not making their minds up until the week of the event and they know they've got the money to go out. Mm -hmm. So... And Hold your nerve until the last minute, just like you're saying, yeah. And Charlotte, did, uh, what interests me is, um, did your audience change when it comes to local visitors versus other visitors from inland um, or, or, or international? Think, yeah, most of our visitors are from London and surrounding counties mm. anyway. Um, it, we have a really strong scene in London. So, yeah, I'm not sure really about international visitors. I think they're still mostly British. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think another another point right now, if we're talking about ticket sales, is is ticket pricing, because I mean I was I was watching the news this morning, so I know it's the same across Europe, cost of living crisis, price of gas, inflation everywhere, people just don't have the budget that they used to have, so event organizers need to be sensitive with their ticket pricing. And it's difficult because cost of everything is increasing, cost of venue hire is increasing. So you have the choice of whether to pass that on to the, to the customer or not. And I think prices are going up a little bit everywhere, but we need to be realistic about the cost of ticket prices because let's face it, sometimes they're getting high, they're getting high. Mm -hmm. And you can't expect to sell a lot of primary tickets if you're if your ticket price is too high. Do you agree? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I don't want to point any fingers, but uh, everything has gone up. And uh, I mean, I just from, from speaking to clients, but from artists to production costs to uh, venue hiring, everything has gone up. So you try to yeah. pass that on. Uh, a little bit and you can chip away um, selling more tickets yeah the um, as you said when you have that initial spike is either they're buying because one they're the real fans yeah so they go come out and they're like oh my god I want to be there yeah um, those are the clients that you really want to take care of create your communities around um, and also just because they want to make sure that uh, they got to you know if they decided why not save that 10 euros yeah. because they they yeah. purchase ahead of time but how how um, are we able to keep it affordable for people how yeah 
Well, we're doing all our best. I mean, our our commissions are keep, just keep on going down. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I would point my the finger at, at others. Mm -hmm. um, we don't need to say who, but uh, I think everyone knows, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's one way. Uh, I think I think at the end, it's it's the people who go, it's the fans yeah. that are gonna are gonna make it. You know, if it's too expensive, they won't go, and it's their experience. One other thing is that we always talk about tickets, but there's also a lot more there so we can sell an experience and that's yeah. something that we're really developing is not just to sell a ticket or a ticket with a drink but more of an experience you can include um, say we do an interactive map of the of the club and you can choose the table you want to be at mm -hmm. or you can choose uh, different types of drink combinations or we're looking forward to uh, maybe accommodation in certain type situations or giving our clients the opportunity to to do um, uh, bundles maybe with merchandise or with a meet and greet or uh, whatever it might be and I think that's also gonna hit different price points and yeah. it really just depends on and but it's it's the final buyer who's gonna judge if it's too yeah. expensive then you'll know why people aren't going yeah you know yeah I, I think the the challenge is there and will be there but I also try to believe that every um, yeah, critical situation also opens up new opportunities yeah. and we all need to learn and adapt. Um, if I just think back of what happened when, when COVID broke, um, I was closely watching the, and following the hospital industry, for example. The, the hospitality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and when international travels drop, but the next thing you, you, you notice that inland travel uh, started to boom. In, in, in lots of countries, you know, and, 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 and so there will be behavior change. So I think we will have to tackle a lot of challenges, but we also need to pinpoint, okay, where are opportunities? So maybe if someone's budget is, is changing and they stop going to, to, to expensive vacations uh, to, to Asia or, or to, to, to the Middle East, you know, they may stay inland and they start to visit your events and yeah. start to go to your experiences. How do you reach those people? I mean, time yeah. will tell, but mm -hmm. behavior change, even in the toughest times, also create opportunities. Yeah, and so that's also what we saw with uh, people going on a vacation during COVID. Instead of flying to Bali or Curaçao or the United States or wherever, uh, they just mostly stayed in Europe or even in their own country and just went camping or something like that. So, Yeah, for me, that's the most exciting thing and most probably you know this better and more about this than I do. But where where is the, the, the event following and even going behavior is changing? Are they going to go still to international big festivals and yeah. travel cross border? Or are they going to stay inland and go into your venues on Fridays yeah. and Saturdays nights? What, last what's going to be? Last year was perfect. Last summer was like a boom time. The events were selling out in, in, in the UK within minutes because people were just overjoyed that, that things were open again yeah. and they couldn't necessarily travel. This summer was, was very different and people were going abroad a lot more. With everything being open again, I think um, people are choosing to do festivals in Ibiza or Barcelona rather than staying in London and or just going on a summer holiday and not going to a festival at all. So actually I think summer this year was was a challenge for festivals. Um, let's see what next year brings. Maybe things are evening out a little bit. Yeah, predicting the future right now is really yeah. tough. 
We see it a little bit. Uh, one thing was the BNPL, so the buy now and pay later. Mm -hmm. Those yeah. that format is happening a lot more, where you have to be more price sensitive. Yeah. Um, so maybe the price is a bit higher, but uh, you give the the buyer a chance to to pay in installments. It takes away the risks of the risk. Also, um, when when an event is canceled, in for instance. For yeah. So that's one other reason why you go through your trusted um, your trusted platform. Um, one is just because we're always going to take care of our clients. So um, that can be from a simple chat support. Uh, yeah, you can read the FAQs, but if you want someone to reply to your chats, we're there for it. And then the other thing is, okay, that organizer might disappear, but you purchased with us and we're going to back it because it's our company, mm. right? And so obviously there's a huge risk involved with that and insurance as well. But um, it's trusted, right? Yeah. And so when a client has the options of, buying on one platform or another i mean you can compare it to booking sometimes i don't bother calling the hotel directly yeah i just go straight to booking because i know that if something happens they're going to take care of their client and yeah. we try to do the same thing yeah. hmm. and charlotte are there any other challenges besides um uh like inflation or um, or uh, a possible new outbreak. Um, are there any other challenges uh, that you notice of uh, when selling, have, having to being able to sell primary tickets? Sorry. Um, I think those are the main ones, really. Um, competition as well. London's a very saturated market, especially this year with everything being open again. Mm -hmm. um, How do you keep up then? You have to know your audience very well. And I think actually um, a strong point is like when the market is saturated, you need to ask yourself what your event is actually bringing to the market. And is this is this an event that people really want to go to? What are you? What is it bringing? Does it have a strong narrative? Um, is the artist really really hot at that time? If not, is it a particular comeback show? Like, what's the angle? Like, are you putting an event on for the sake of putting an event on? Yeah. Because there's a free date in the diary, and there happens to be you know someone on tour, or is this event contributing to the actual scene? Does it have a strong narrative? What what are you selling and what's special about it? And I think with things being so saturated, a good portion of the shows in the market don't need to be there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and all, promote, all promoters are guilty of that. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, that that's a strong question. Are your ticket, are your ticket prices good? Is the event good? Mm -hmm. I think we have to nurture the industry. I think- uh, In what way? I think we got to a point where there it just got bigger and bigger, and a lot of the ticket sales were based on on who the names were, mm -hmm. and uh, I think a lot of people are taking a step back yeah. and saying, you know what, uh, okay, the lineup is amazing, but I'm not going to be able to see all these people anyway. Yeah. And the experience of seeing one of your favorite DJs in a club sense is so much different to seeing uh, an hour or two at a festival. Yeah. And I think people are appreciating that. Um, I don't know, sometimes I feel like buying a huge ticket, you know, a big ticket for a festival and getting to see half of what you wanted to see, yeah. um, you're better off spending half of that and then actually spending two or three hours with that artist you want to see in a club where the music's totally different. So where I see is like the going back to the club, uh, it's kind of cliche, but I really do feel like we, we as, a, as, a, as an industry need to nurture that. Yeah, because I, if you if you explain this, I 
I agree, but I'm, I'm also like, yeah, when I go to the club, it's like a shorter time span. So if I go to a festival, I get more, well, not more of one artist, but I get more value for money because I can see more different kind of like mm. artists and DJs. I think it's hard to compare because it's like comparing apples and oranges, mm. like club culture is always going to be super strong. Yeah. Um, a great club is, is, is incredible. Um, a great festival is incredible and they're very different. And I think if you're going to pay festival ticket prices, then the experience aspect really needs to be there. And it's about more than just the artists are playing. It's about the the stages, the production, the sound quality, yeah. um, the food and drinks on offer, the, you know, the chaos that could come with a really good festival is special and those are memories that you never forget. Yeah. So they're, they're very different experiences, but, mm. um, yeah, with different ticket prices to match. I never managed to catch my favorite artists at festivals. No. no. <laughs> You're having too much fun, fun like, on the way, yeah? That's a great experience. <laughs> I mean, that's why you go, right? It's a different kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you more a festival guy or a club guy? Or um, maybe neither? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to go to many festivals uh, mm -hmm. back in the days. These days, I like my uh, evening concerts mm -hmm. better. Yeah. Yeah. Just is it because you grow older and you want to be in bed earlier, or it's just a shift in experiences? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, maybe I grow older. But been yeah, there, just <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. yeah. I did some tour managing myself. I've, yeah. been, I've been in a few clubs. <laughs> yeah, you did tour management of local. Is it local Dice? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I thought it was Dice, but maybe we've it was... been to several of her events. Oh really? Yeah. 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 yeah Dice amazing, has paid for us several times. Amazing, yeah. Amazing venue, Tobacco Docks. Thank you. Yeah. I had a great time. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You did that for how many years? Almost three. Almost yeah, three. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So you were living at night then, right? Uh, yeah, and living in a plane and at night. Yeah. Uh, yeah That's yeah. hard. Amazing experience. Really yeah. good. Great to see the see the world. Yeah. Really uh, fantastic. And also the other side of the like the artist side of the music industry. Yeah, of course. I've seen the, I've been very fortunate to see the the industry from many different points of view. Yeah. And uh, I've been able to see like all the beautiful festivals that not all of them, but many of them that were um, the, in the festival experience. Yeah. So like the Coachellas and the, yeah. Um, so you have like a 360 view and then you can integrate that in doing sales, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then, uh, yeah, and then I've spent endless hours in clubs as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that part too. You, st you still look very good for someone who spent that many hours in clubs. <laughs> Why, thank you. Why, thank you. The artists look good too, huh? and they, they've done it for 20 years. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did a lot of yoga during uh, the confinement. Oh, okay. So, yo yeah. yoga is the key. We're shifting, right? Yeah. yeah. Hello, We're lovers. Um, Tomas, um, I wanted to ask you um, what is. Um, I know TicketSwap does many different campaigns in app. What is uh, one of the most successful campaigns you, you ran? Because I think people can um, like be able to buy uh, tickets through uh, doing games or uh, like activations at fest festivals. What, what is something that, was, that went really well in converting um, fans into visitors? Wow, and it's a complex question, and I'm also not uh, the marketing expert at the team. Um, but I think I think you need to give good content 
um, to the fans and what I've seen very successful when you are able to create a campaign which which is a synergy between online and offline elements. So those were the ones that, that, that performed really well. So when you communicate a message online, but they can also find your activation in an offline environment. So one of the partner festivals of ours or one of the club partners of ours, those are the ones that are a, a combined experience between the online and an offline world yeah. with a good content and quality is, is, is probably the most important. Yeah. So one thing I don't like to do or, or, or I, I, I'm sure that our marketing time, uh, team doesn't like to do, to do things half, halfway. So yeah. if we start to execute something, yeah. that needs to be top-notch. Yeah. And we, we had a few activations throughout this summer in big European festivals. And those are the ones that we are really, really proud of and looking forward to the next season. And uh, in expanding, uh, are there countries that um, still rely on like printed tickets and it's really hard to... To yeah, how, how much time do I have? Um, <laughs> no, I'll just give you one simple example. So um, Germany is also in my portfolio. And before COVID, I mean, people advised me not to go to Germany. Like, don't don't open office there. And everyone mm -hmm. is printing tickets, putting that on the, on the, on the, what's that? Uh, I almost want, I wanted to say Kühlschrank in German. Fridge. Well, the fridge, uh, yeah. Fridge. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Kühlschrank. So, so, um, Is it because know, it feels more re reliable to have something that you can actually touch? I think it's, it's cultural. I mean, mm. even you go to a restaurant and you have to pay cash. I'm just like, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. It's cultural. You know? It's but, just yeah. like, we're, we're in the same thing. We just opened an office in Hamburg and it was the same, the same issue. It was like... Uh, There is no culture for it. It's not worth your time. It's the number one economy of Europe. It's, it's got to work, you know, it has mm -hmm. to work. And we see the, the evolution of the market uh, from, from my mom buying, uh, you know, movie ticket, tickets online. That it's it's evolved everywhere, and we've seen it there. And I think you're totally right about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There's well. there's much truth to it. But but for example, COVID changed that. Yeah, definitely. So you know, like like <laughs> like the the demands coming from from the authorities that they need to know who is in your venue for safety measures mm -hmm. shifted the whole industry. Mm. And yeah, they might not be there with online purchase behavior and etiquettes as the Benelux. But it's, it's, it's completely changed. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, I can tell a whole lot about the Brazilian market where mm -hmm. ticket touting and, and issuing tickets is in a, it's in a different different stage. But there are plenty of challenges. Cha I mean, challenges just there. not wanting to pay taxes. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a challenge yeah. that we deal with every day. What's yeah. that smile all about? <laughs> <laughs> you watch We're 100% clean, you know? Like, it's an industry that has been cash-based yeah. for many, many yeah. years. There's a lot of characters so. in our industry, for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But that's what makes it what it is, right? Absolutely. Although, for, on, the, on the contrary side, when I, when I landed first time in Brazil, and first thing I did, like I went to a cash machine, like in this market, I'm surely gonna need like, like, like cash in the pocket. Not at all. Everyone is paying with, with, with mobile apps, yeah. with bank cards. Yeah. So sometimes uh, things surprise you. Yeah, we had someone from Brazil yesterday in the panel, um, Madhu. And he's from Brazil. And uh, because I thought so as well, I thought you have to pay cash everywhere in Brazil. And it also probably would be difficult to have people buying tickets through uh, an app. But they're actually quite digital in Brazil. The those other, are, the, all are. the other countries in South America is a whole different ballgame. But Brazil is uh, 
is quite uh, like living in the future. Totally. We definitely do studies before uh, entering markets to see what the yeah. what the use is and and how people uh, interact with technology and. Um, it's they're definitely major factors to investing in in moving into an, another country. Yeah. I mean, even I think we're late for Germany, but I still think that now is is the time, and it's a perfect example. Okay, Berghain will never sell tickets on mm-hmm. uh, online, well, but how many how many Berghains are there? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. The rest of them do, and uh, we see like t- uh, tables as well, um, removing the intermediaries of getting a table, not sure where you're going to be sitting, are you going to get a cool table, or is it still going to be there when you get there? All of that kind of stuff is, is giving giving the organizer more uh, more leeway mm-hmm. to negotiate. And also the, the buyer knows what, he, what they're getting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was a big lottery um, in the yeah. past, um, and we've seen that. And, and we're seeing the trend change. Do, do, do you also think that uh, the table, getting a table at a restaurant or, uh, well, not a restaurant, but at a club is something that is more popular these days? Because when I went to the club, like just around the corner, my friends and I never like bought a table mm-hmm. uh, or table service. And now these days I hear a lot of people buying tables. It depends where you are. We don't we don't do table service at any of our events. Mm-hmm. But I guess if we if we did an event in Ibiza, there would probably be that element. And you mentioned Mykonos as well. That's that's yeah. another yeah. popular place. Uh, one one advantage uh, besides uh, the trends. So obviously, um, we've seen the trends of VIPs getting bigger. Uh, a lot of the dance floors are getting smaller. But uh, as a ticketing company, we we see that it's a way of upselling. Mm-hmm. So that um, if someone's not going out that often, um, or maybe he's a bit older like uh, myself, um, you see a ticket price at, I don't know, 25 euros. But then uh, if you see the opportunity to have a, a table for four at 150 or 200, yeah. you know, all of a sudden your experience, and we talked about experiences, has changed. Yeah. I don't think it's, uh, it's not, I'm not passing any judgment, but um, it also has helped uh, clubs uh, adjust a bit more and they get a, the clients can get a different experience mm. uh, I mean some even just do uh, bottle service at the bar for example you know and so you get a you get your bottle on the bar instead of being in a, or now they're sectioning off clubs and you can have different sections yeah uh, it's I mean it's for price break as well yeah I mean it's very Sorry. elitist my little pillow just it's, ver- it's very elitist I mean yeah but a bottle b- bottle service at the bar actually sounds like 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 something really weird because you actually get your drink at the bar. Why should there be like a bottle at the bar? Um, I think it's quite common in in many cultures. I mean, I know in Spain and in Italy, um, I've been in many. Is it like a bodega? No, but you can you can even like I know in many places where you can buy a bottle and you put your name on it mm. and you come back the next week and your bottle's there. Oh, it's just like in Japan when you when you get sake. In the UK, yeah. In the UK, that bottle would not last a second. Wait. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can put locks on it. Lo- yeah, you have your own lockers. We're working on that too, right? Yeah, they do that in Japan, right? I, or, okay, well, maybe I'll. I should, I'm gonna look into this because I, I I'm not familiar with this in the Netherlands. Uh, but thank you for for explaining. Um, I think we have to wrap it up. Um, because we're out of time, I want to ask one last question. Um, do you have any tips for people uh, who want to, uh, for, for, for companies who want to sell primary tickets 
um, to make sure that it's effective? <laughs> yeah, I think I think first, uh, yeah, we need to make sure that the event that's created and the lineup that's there, it's it's it's, it's something that's of interest mm -hmm. and of value. That's the most important part. And once once that's together and in place, yeah. I'm sure you will find your channels to to reach the audience. Okay. Yeah, I would say use our platform. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no um, I think get patience and, and creating a community. I think is really the 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 like is is where it's at right now. Um, reaching reaching people is so has become so difficult. Yeah. Um, and especially in the marketing sense. And I think this uh, whatever Charlotte has to say is is gold on that. But uh, yeah, it's it's really hard to reach people. Yeah. So um, yeah, diversify. Um, create that community, uh, interact. Um, those are and be patient. Yeah, you know, yeah. build a story, patient, talk about yeah. content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, it's. It really depends on the on the event as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I really like what you said at the beginning. Like, like also focus to on use the experiences. <laughs> I mean, we are integrated, so you can say that. Um, so focus on experiences. Yeah. So people for the money, they 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 want better value. So yeah, experiment with new experiences to be created. All right, yeah. and then on top of all that, collect the data. Yeah, get yourself a good graphic important. designer. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, graphic design. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, data, data, very good. Data, yeah. data, data, totally, data. Totally. everything. Make sure that everything, everyone who goes through the door, you know, who, when, where, why. Yeah. And you can reach them reach later. Them because if mm -hmm. someone's spending to come to your venue, then they're a fan. They're engaged. Yeah. Warm and audience. You need mm -hmm. to figure out how to uh, how to keep that interaction. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for um, your insights. Um, and um, we have to uh, see if there's someone in the audience that also wants to ask a question. Are there any questions left? Or today we don't have any questions. We're missing Oscar, obviously. <laughs> I'll be Oscar. Okay, let's go then. I um, guess I'm just curious about those trends in buyer behavior. Is that a COVID hangover? People just seeing events getting cancelled, or is there something maybe that's a bit more? Yeah, I think a, a lot. A lot of it's down to the economy at the moment. Like music industry is not. It's 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 a microcosm of the rest of the world. It's it's affected by, you know. Inflation, oil and gas prices, people losing their jobs, having less money to spend. Um, that's definitely a big influence. There's a rogue bee. <laughs> it's sorted. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's a big influence and a COVID hangover as well, for sure. Uh, I think there's many factors. Obviously, people are going towards technology a lot more. A lot less interactions hand-to-hand -hand. in the beginning. We're a bit more worried about that part. Um, I think uh, everyone just wants uh, less friction in their life. So technology's there too. Um, it's uh, give and take. I think um, there's going to be a time it's going to just be too expensive or too hard and it's going to adjust. But one thing is like people will always go out. I was going to yeah. say that. Always yeah. go out. And for even all the when, challenges, yeah. yeah. For all the challenges, there's still a lot to be optimistic about. And we've seen it in the past when times get tough, the alcohol sales go up. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? And yeah. uh, we've seen that in the past and, we, and it'll happen. So if it gets really tough, 
people might not spend on big festivals or they might not spend but they're definitely going to go out like you have mm. to get so wait your, for people to go you know, right yeah. so yeah. dancing is, totally. the, is the best therapy yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I had a quick follow up um, yeah go ahead uh, how does what does price sensitivity look like in this market because if you have to plan a festival it's in nine months time and you're already committing to your suppliers and um, how do you know if your tickets are overpriced how do you know if they're underpriced it's a great question. Yeah. I think you have to deal with that every day. <laughs> yeah, like a good market analysis, really. But I think you should kind of know, like, if, if it's a big event and start with tiered pricing, so start with a, with a low-priced early bird ticket and gradually increase the ticket price, and you might want to front stack it or end stack it towards the higher price, depending on your P&L. It's I a difficult love question. strategy. It's amazing <laughs> what they come up. You should really dig into that yeah. because um, it's a beautiful, I mean, we've, we've tried to do AI as well, kind of do kind of what the airplanes are doing uh, based on demand, but uh, we're talking years of, of, of strategy and understanding there's so many factors that our clients, obviously we can cheat a little bit because we have data from so many clients. So uh, internally as a ticketing company, but uh, it's really an art and what they do is impressive and understanding, uh, taking care of your, of your core fans first at a, at a price break and then understanding there's so many factors that can be uh, holidays, um, when, times, that uh, pricing, competitors, that there's so many factors that I think there is, like you can't remove complete computer generation and AI, there's really a side of it that's human based, that, that, that smell, that experience. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I really, I, I mean, like I, my hat's off to, to, to people like Charlotte because it's, it's really challenging. I think if, if your ticket sales are stalling, like if, if, you're, if your lower price ticket tiers have sold really well and you get to the higher prices and they're just not going anywhere, then that's an indication that your higher price tickets are too expensive. And then you can start offering promo codes and incentives and discounts and really look after your audience that way by offering, you know, payday discounts or di different discounts through your ticket platforms. You can offer ticket bundles like you mentioned earlier. There's a lot of ways to then make it more affordable if your yeah. higher price tickets are just not selling. My general rule is be patient. Don't go too high too fast because there's no way back from that. You know, and if if your core fans are always the ones who buy early, you don't want to offend them because if you find out if you buy at 20 and then you find that there's a two for one uh, two weeks before the event, you've killed your best fans. So yeah. it's like hold and we laugh about it. Yeah. But that that JPEG of uh, of uh, Braveheart, <laughs> like it goes around a lot. It's like hold, hold and hold. Yeah. I mean, like what percentage of your of you do early birds? You know, that's. Um, it depends. It depends on the event, really. Oh. It depends on the event and venue, but probably a good, a good, a good quarter of the tickets. That's a real tip yeah. right there. Well, <laughs> thank you guys. I have to um, break it up because we're running out of time. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you for coming and sharing all your tips and insights. Thank you. Um, please come to you. Thank you for having us. Cheers. You're welcome. Please continue the conversation after uh, we stop the, the recording and uh, have fun during ADE. Yeah, and if everyone's out there and has any more questions, feel free to ask. Yeah. We're on socials or it's uh, yn at exceed.me. Uh, I answer yeah. emails. Email, email yn. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.